Hey, hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Shootin' the Shizad. Welcome. I am Dylan Broda, joined here by the rebel himself, Starbuck. How you doing there, big guy? Hey, I'm doing good. It's the rebel Starbuck, not the rebel Dick Slater. What? Dick Slater died. What? Not, not too long ago, but yeah. But hey, in some ways, I did take the rebel tag off of Dick Slater. I have to, you know, oh, I've never told people this. Not a bad this. idea. Yeah, because Dirty Dick Slater, back in the day... One of the best names. Yeah, Dirty absolutely. Dick. Dirty Dick, yeah. yeah. And there was Dirty Dick Murdoch, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, anyways, but the rebel, Dick Slater. Dick Slater was uh, in WWE, I think it was in 85, 86. I think it was 86, actually. Yeah, he went there for just a spell, just a short little uh, stint, and uh, he was known as the rebel with the uh, Confederate flag on his uh, jean Can't wear that vest, Jean jacket vest. No, geez. You even got guys like Cody Rhodes ripping apart. You know, mm. people from the South who tote the uh, Confederate flag. I don't understand why. Why? Well, it's, this is like tradition. It's, it has nothing to do with racism, well, the, the flag in and of itself. It yeah. has nothing to do. It's, it's, it's a symbol of your culture and of uh, a different segment of the, of the United States. Yeah, I guess there, there's a lot of people who they can't seem to separate the, the swastika from, you know, that... Uh, peaceful religious symbol uh, that uh, I guess it's in Hinduism or something like that. And that, you know, once it's like once somebody wipes their ass with, with something, then mm-hmm. it's tainted for life for, for a lot of people anyway. So it, it's yeah. hard to, hard to see past it. Well, you know, General Lee, you know, they took down a statue, right? Did they? I didn't know that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause it was offensive to some people that, mm, uh, offensive. Yeah. The, the, um, you know, and you can't erase your history. I mean, you had your civil war, you had your, you know, the North yeah. versus the South and the Confederate, you know, all the, all these issues and whatnot. But the thing is that, I mean, these are part of your national treasure, you know, this, this is who you are as, as a nation and you can't renege on that stuff anymore. It's, yeah. it's, it's basically water under the bridge. I don't understand what was so wrong with General Robert Lee in the first place. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I need to brush up on history about it, but uh, I'm sure that uh, some people, well, people can find something wrong with just about everything. Oh, it's it's all in how you want to color it, you know. Yeah. At the end of the day, and you know, we're we're living in this day and age of this social justice toting, you know, this mm. uh, pussified culture where everybody's so damn offended all the time. I don't understand when did people become such pussies. I don't think you can say that either. <laughs> I just did. I just did. I don't yeah, give yeah. a damn. Oh, there I, you I go. That's, I don't give two shizats. That's the beauty of uh, of being uh, having this online radio. That's uh, at least hasn't been regulated uh, too far. So there is some form of free speech out there. Well, you know, I tell you what, the things that I, I honestly I'm I'm befuddled. You know, there was this, there was this saying back in the day when I was a kid. Mm. It said, "Sticks and stones can break my bones." but words will never hurt me. Yeah, yeah. And nowadays it's like everyone's offended all the time about something. And if you think about like, you know, we're living here in the Nordics now, you know, so we're taping this out of Helsinki, Finland and, uh, and, and our cultural heritage up here, you know, we used to be a bunch of tough ass sons of bitches back in the day. I mean, we, we got some Viking blood up here too. It's not just the Norwegians and the, and the, uh, 
the Danes. I mean, we, we, we had some of them Vikings up in this area too. And, uh, yeah, for, you know, for good measure. But I mean, the thing is that if the Vikings came back in modern days, if they could cut like time travel and come back and see it, us as a culture and see how weak and frail and how offended we become at absolutely everything. I think that they would slaughter us without mercy. Well, you know, it's a good point in a lot of ways. Uh, and I think, you know, even, even though, you know, there wasn't that many Vikings over here, but what people had over here was like, um, this toughness of, I guess, living in a, at a many, I guess, many months out of the year, it's quite cold and you got to fend Dark. for yourself. You got to, you got to basically, you know, live through the elements and, and please all those goblins and, and uh, whatever gnomes that are taking your taking your stuff. But what I'm saying is that, like, you know, people had to live in a, in a much tougher way. And now that we have microwaves and nobody really has to hunt for their food, that, like, uh, you know, yeah, this is a wrestling podcast. We'll get to that. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like uh, people have learned, I guess, how not to be human beings. Yeah, exactly. The thing is, they'll buy food, like they'll buy their meat from the supermarket, and then they'll, at the same time, in the same breath, they'll be against hunting. Yeah, well, you know, I'm not all for us hunting for sport, but I'm a big advocate of like, uh, you know, those, you know, especially in Finland, I I think that uh, people do it right, where, you know, there'll be a, a hunting club and they'll hunt They'll get the license to hunt two moose, one moose, or something like that. That's how it was in Canada, too. I mean, I went hunting with my dad many times. And the same thing with fishing, too, right? I mean, do you eat fish? Yeah. Do you enjoy sushi? There you go. You know, that's not not mock-up genetically modified uh, gaga. I mean, that's fish on your plate, you know? So that came from somewhere. Whether or not you or anybody close to you hunted that or fished it or whatever, it's, it's nonetheless, it's on your plate. It's going down your gullet. True. So, but ladies and gentlemen, so what we're talking about today here is, um, on shooting the shizat is the impact of this social justice, uh, mentality and the social justice warrior kind of, um, influence on our culture, which is so prevalent nowadays. It's, it's really nauseating. I was actually just watching yesterday, uh, a clip from one of the recent Joe Rogan podcasts. Right. And, uh, he, excellent show. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's a sharp guy. Uh, and, and he was, he had somebody on the show. I don't remember who it was, but they, they were talking about this disabled, um, war veteran from the States who actually took a photo with Donald Trump Jr. Right. With Donald right. Trump's son. Yeah. And he put it up like on something like Twitter, I think it was, and immediately got taken down for violating their terms and their codes or their policies and blah, blah, blah. So what did he do wrong? There's no nudity. There's there's no violence. There's no. It's just. For, so who did you violate? How did you do that? That's going to backfire. This this idea. Oh yeah, know? and and the thing is that it's so far gone right now. It's like you can't. Was it defiant wrestling now? If I understood correctly, I think that you got some more dirt on this one. But uh, they used to be called What Culture, and mm-hmm. they changed their name to Defiant. So tell the story about that one. Well, you know, I don't. Uh, I'm not a historian about it, but uh, I'll give you the the uh, the quick snippet. But uh, yeah, there is What Culture Wrestling. It's more of a news uh, source at the moment, and then there's Defiant, which is their uh, actual live wrestling product, and um, I believe it was what, what culture wrestling across the board, and uh, there was some some kind of uh, 
Shizat going along where YouTube deems uh, professional wrestling, uh, I guess it was live streaming or something to do with professional wrestling being inappropriate and offensive nature. So they basically got squashed pretty hard. Their channel had a really hard time to to get going, and uh, I think they they might have fallen into a lot of trouble for having this, uh, you know, pro wrestling as a live streaming event on YouTube. And then, uh, I guess, when all was said and done, they had to change the actual live product's name to Defiant, where yeah. I guess that is the reason for that name, to defy, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. uh, that's where they're going. And, you know, I hope they do a really, I hope they do really good business because, uh, you know, more, the more wrestling, the merrier. So I'm, I'm all for it. But uh, this kind of censorship and you know i get it in that way it's hard to complain when it's when it's not your owned platform like google uh facebook mm-hmm. youtube they set the rules you know so it, there is actually no free speech in that kind of situation oh there is no free speech anymore you know? i mean it's it's a thing of the past i mean the thing is the free world as we used to know it i mean it's done already it's it's a done deal it's we're not we're no longer in a free society it was one of these dictators i forget who it was but i think it was a chinese guy or somebody but he said that uh that freedom of speech i can guarantee you but freedom after speech i cannot yeah well that's it you have to be responsible for yourself you know so yeah and you have to own up for what you stand for and uh and I think if if people live that way, and and then that's that's how it is. But if you're regulated constantly, and uh, then again, uh, you know, I can't argue that um, if you're gonna if you're going to be a member of the Facebook community, mm-hmm. you know, then well, you have to unfortunately abide by their rules. But if you're going to go and make your own website and you know say your own piece as to what you think how things should be then you should be, you know, free and fair to do it. Well, the thing is, it's so slanted right now. You know, the, the, the general, how could you say, the laws and the legislation and the rules and the regulations, they're so one-sided. Uh, you know, they talk about tolerance nowadays, and they talk about, uh, you know, this, uh, you know, fairness and across the board, and uh, what's the word that they use so much? Mindfulness and all these things. Right. Um, and it seems that, like, if you are a part of a certain demographic, like an ethnic demographic, for example, or then a sexual minority, you can get get away with murder. But if you stand on the other side, the uh, the yin yang side, the mm-hmm. other, if if one is the yin yin and you are the yang, well, uh, the rules are different for you because yeah. then you no longer. Uh, they're not tolerant towards you. You must be tolerant towards them, but they are not tolerant towards you. And they don't, they're not expected to be, you know, it's, mm. I, I saw this clip actually just, I, I know we're going on a bit of a tangent, but this is all related to today's podcast and the theme that we'll be going through that is social justice relevant or is it, can it be palpable to professional wrestling, uh, in modern days? In other words, can, is, is there a place for it? Is there a place and, and can pro wrestling be, politically correct mm. so that's the theme for today but nonetheless i saw this one this clip from uh, the uk yeah of a of a help dog like a seeing eye dog right right and uh some of these ethnic minorities that have made their way to 
the UK were, uh, of course, anti-dog, and they made a huge stink in public, and they taped it. They put it all on all over the social media about them yelling and screaming, and that this dog needs to go, and blah blah. blah. It's a seeing eye dog for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. It's helping a person who's who who obviously has a handicap, and you're making this big stink like we should somehow like you know uh, change our culture to suit you. Well, first of all. If you, if we go to a different country, if, if I were to move, let's say to Pakistan, or if I were to move to China, yeah, uh, there is no way, shape or form that I should be able to expect that they should conform according to my specifications to meet my needs. I am a stranger in their country, mm. right? Yeah. I am a guest in their country, a visitor, or then a tourist, or then an immigrant in their country, mm. they don't have to change Jack Shizad for me. I have to change my approach to suit uh, their way of being. Yeah, and I think that like uh, you know, everybody's free to live the way that they want to live in in their own confines of you know their life, but when it starts to affect other other people's lives around them that aren't you know that aren't involved in their family or you know or or whatever just outside of their own personal mm-hmm. personal space you know that's right i don't care what anybody believes and i don't care what anybody does to it to a degree uh, as long as it's not you know harming anyone uh inside their own home and uh and if they you know choose to like a what would you call exercise their own culture outside of their home as long as it's not harming others anybody mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. then uh, have at it you know i think it, that's the freedom right there that's it but yeah. when you um when anybody you know there there was a thing in in uh, it it's in a lot of the ways this thing where i think in helsinki there was a problem where somebody was um putting some hot dogs in dog parks that were stuffed with rat poison wonderful you know mm. of course that person has a probably a mental disability where they have somehow decided that dogs are, you know, if we're talking about dogs, for an example. but Maybe they just have an attitude problem. Maybe. Mm. But this kind of uh, thing is, you know, if that's not going to be tolerated, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. then you you can't be expected to, if somebody, in somebody's culture they don't uh, want to have dogs around, which I understand and that's totally fine, you know, but then if you're going to be on the, the metro, the subway, wherever, then don't sit in the area where dogs are allowed. That's it. You know, That's right. don't go, uh, if you're really in, like, against it, don't, don't go to those places. And if you can't avoid it, well, unfortunately, there, there are times when, you know, uh, people can't avoid to be in uncomfortable situations and you have to then just deal with it. Suck it up. Unfortunately. No, it's not unfortunately. <laughs> just suck it up. I mean, you know, like I said, when have we as a culture become such pussies? Anyway, uh, this episode of Shooting the Shiz At is uh, directly relatable now to the SJW uh, social justice uh, theme because now in WWE there is a big stink right now on the internet uh, about Leo Rush. And Leo has, he finds himself in the Shizat house. Right. With Vince McMahon and the upper ups in the company, the higher ups. Um, Leo, I guess, was offered a certain number. Now, don't believe all the numbers you read on the internet because the internet doesn't know it's uh, Leo Rush's private financial information uh, as well as the uh, 
at the discretion of WWE, what numbers and what kind of contract they actually did present to Leo Rush. But Leo, I guess the story goes that he sees himself as worth double at least, if not more than what he was offered by WWE to extend his contract and remain a team player with that company. Well, Leo said no. He sees himself in a different light. Right. Um, In which case, he's also been rubbing people the wrong way backstage with his attitude. I guess he's been inviting like friends and family members and just anybody off the cuff that he wants, more or less, uh, Mm. to come backstage. And the thing is that what people maybe don't understand that, uh, especially those who have not been brought up under the etiquette of what this business has been all about throughout the decades. Uh, This is a fraternity. It is a certain kind of mafia where you don't just let anybody uh, backstage. It's it's like a sanctum. The backstage area is a sanctum. It is uh, a place that is reserved for the talent and it is not for just anybody to walk through and use as their public outhouse. No. So therefore, uh, if you violate that code of, I guess you'd call it ethics, um, then there should be repercussions. And now I guess that there are many within the the E who were uncomfortable with Leo Rush uh, bringing people just off the cuff backstage and letting anybody in there and... Mm. Uh, I guess he was blackballed from the dressing room. I forget where it was, but he was he was actually exercised from wow. the, from the dressing room. Okay, I mean, this is the thing that one of the things that I actually really love about pro wrestling is that idea that it's a um, it's a form of entertainment that is ongoing, and uh, at least it used to be right, and um, that you weren't allowed into the dressing room until you earned the I guess your status and. Uh, you know, where we talked about jokingly, but almost seriously with that fanny pack idea, you know. Well, you know, there it brings to mind. Do you remember that one guy who wrestled in WWE just for a, a short spell? The the guy with the one leg? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was his name? Um, I could, I'll look it up while yeah, you talk. Yeah, you'll look it up. Okay, anyway, the thing is that people will probably remember this. Back around 2002, 2003, um, there was a, one wrestler who... He was handicapped. He had his one leg amputated, but he could still do the spots and do all the flips and whatnot. And really talented, uh, a really talented guy for his um, for his condition. Yeah. Um, anyway, he was Zach Gowan. That's right, Zach yeah. Gowan. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, he drew incredible heat backstage for disrespecting uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan because Hacksaw had cancer at one point Hmm. and Chris Benoit was still around back then and this Zach Gowan kid uh, got all belligerent backstage about "Ah, it's just the work you know it's just you know Hacksaw's working everybody and it's like at that point Benoit took the Zach it doesn't matter whether you got one leg or not yeah he took and he threw him out of the dressing room you're not welcome here you're not part of this fraternity because you don't know your freaking place Right, mm. you, you don't you you know there's there's an etiquette that you must have in our business, especially on that world class level. You have to know when you get there that you should have been taught already how to handle yourself in the pro wrestling business and how this business actually works. And he overstepped <laughs> some pretty severe boundaries, this Zach Gowan. And uh, now well, the same fate, more or less, in a different era, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, befalls one Leo Rush. Well, they did that Zach Gowan. Uh, maybe this is the old school way of doing it, but uh, I don't know at what point in his career uh, this happened, but that he got basically the most brutal beatdowns by Brock Lesnar ever, I think that was ever recorded. Yeah. So I wonder if that was a little bit of a... Uh, Receipt? Yeah, you know, but, uh, and then not, I think not too long after that, they flew him down to WWE headquarters and Jim Ross told him, uh, basically, where you're fired mm-hmm. and this, here's some advice. And then uh, they drove him back to the airport and away you went home. So, you yeah, know, uh, I guess it. this is the thing that, um, but here's the, here's the deal these days is that, you know, uh, there is now AEW, there is now New Japan Pro Wrestling and Ring of Honor and Impact and uh, even all these plethora of British um, doing really good business, that OTT, Over the Top. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, Well, there's Rev Pro and Defiant, as we said, and you know, and now Slam Wrestling Finland has joined the... the, uh, the WrestleAid! Yeah, so... That's right. You know, there are places for these guys to go. And so do you think that, uh, you know, I was suspecting that he's not happy there and he's in a lot of ways looking to get fired. Well, that's possible too. The thing is that, uh, well, I heard back, you know, in the day that, you know, I've been on several different cards all around Europe and around the world also, you know, all the way to Japan uh, with, um, in Africa also with different former WWE guys. And there's one thing that seems to like pop up quite often as far as like a philosophy that these guys have or that they, that they espouse or that they somehow reflect. And that is that like, you have to make a choice that when you get into wrestling, whether you want to have fun or whether you want to make money, because you can't do both at the same time. When you go to New York, now New York is uh, slang or, or code for WWE. When you go to New York, um, you make the choice that you want to make money. Mm. You're not there to have fun. It's yeah. not, you don't call any shots. Zero. Exactly. They give you the palette that you dance by right then and there. It's like, it's, it's their music. You're just a, a bit player in that game. And uh, if you can't dance according to their tune, sayonara. That's it. And uh, we'll talk about one other person that has just uh, supposedly... Uh, left for some fun out of the the big old WWE when we come back with the word from our sponsors. Skip is the oldest sports supplement brand out of Europe since the 1970s. Engineered by professors, doctors, and scientists at Sweden's leading medical university, Karolinska Institute, Skip products are pharmaceutical grade, meaning that they are the highest quality available on the market today. Meaning they work. If you're after results, you wouldn't put low-octane gas in a turbocharged high-end sports car engine, would you? Neither would you put junk-quality supplements into your body as an athlete. All Skip products are first tested amongst top athletes to ensure their efficiency. Choose the best. Skip Nutrition. That's skip.fi. S-K-I-P dot F-I. Red Skull Hot Sauce. Fiery sauce focused on flavor. Made by a Canadian in Helsinki. Awesome sauce in a sweet-ass skull bottle. That's Red Skull Hot Sauce. R-E-D-D Skull Hot Sauce. On Facebook and Instagram. 
Are you looking to boost your social media game to the next level? Then go to at Earl Creative Media on Facebook and Instagram for an affordable, professional, creative content provider that can suit your needs. That's Earl Creative Media on Facebook and Instagram. All right, we're back, and uh, as I alluded to there, we are going to keep talking about the social justice warrior and kind of the state uh, that the WWE is at at the moment and is uh, this political correctness era or whatever we want to call it. Is it good for wrestling and uh, does it play a part? And um, Does it draw money? Well. That's the real question. It seems as though from the pictures I've seen of uh, like SmackDown Live and the numbers that the, the, the live events are pulling, it seems as though it doesn't. Although the WWE has signed the biggest money contracts they've ever done in their whole history of career, you know, with the, that, uh, how many billion it was with, um, uh, now I can't remember the two networks, but Fox anyway, at least $1 billion mm-hmm. for, for that product. Wasn't it, wasn't it 2 billion? Let's look it up. Uh, yeah. but, um, just to be sure. But anyway, uh, the thing is that even though they're making these kind of money, monies, the people like the, some of their top stars, like Dean Ambrose, seems like he hasn't been having fun there. And uh, as it's been pretty pretty public information that he didn't want to resign. There's been all kinds of talk about that. Always oh, going to resign and be you know in the background, backstage, doing mm-hmm. some that kind of work. Um, but seems as though he's not because uh, mm-hmm. he just. Uh, I think it was 12 hours after his contract ended mm-hmm. uh, on his Twitter page. Uh, he changed his handle, although he's John never... Moxley. He's never changed. He's never tweeted anything in his whole uh, Twitter career as Dean Ambrose, but now he changed to John Moxley, his uh, former indie name mm-hmm. that he had gone with for quite a while, and posted a video of him breaking out of prison mm-hmm. and, you know, being chased by some dogs, some big dogs... And uh, getting some barbed wire around his arm and bloody it up and and all that jazz. And uh, I've heard from Dave Meltzer, uh, which is of course the reliable source of information, mm-hmm. that he's uh, has some indie bookings coming up. So I think everybody's expecting to see him in AEW. I don't expect to see him there. I think that would be a super surprise in in that way. That I really don't think. WWE would put so much behind the guy uh, while he's leaving, going to their direct competition. But then again, anything can happen in pro wrestling. But uh, I I really think that he's just going to take a breather, do some indie dates, maybe get that out of his system, and then come back, you know, be a number 30 in the Rumble or something like that. The thing is that I'm really surprised that Dean Ambrose or John Moxley, whatever you want to call him, uh, was able this quickly... There was no like, there's no suspension time or what do you want to call it? it, it you know, like where where you're on the shelf, no shelf time. Yeah, that you you immediately uh, upon terminating your contract are able to more or less work anywhere you want. Yeah, right. And 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 that with a lot of these other guys is never the case. Exactly. So I, either he worked the system beautifully. Either he got some really good advice from somebody who, mm. who, who, who's been there before, or then that uh, he just somehow was smart enough to work his contract in a way that, that would not restrict him. 
Yeah. Because that is almost unheard of. Almost. True. And, uh, you know, I have a suspicion, like, who the hell per, uh, produced that video, to be honest with you? You know, mm-hmm. it came out 12 hours after he uh, his contract ended, so he must have, of course, filmed and shot, and that video was edited and, you know, everything like that bef- while he was under WWE contract. So mm. who's the one paying for that? Maybe he is, because he's got tons of dough, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And um, But... You know, did he work it in his contract that he has this, he doesn't have a no-compete clause? You know, did did he work it into his contract? Any of these things, of course, these are all speculated things. But I wonder, is a guy like John Moxley, Dean Ambrose, who kind of came up in the ultra-violence of uh, CZW getting, mm. he was the CZW champion, and, um, you know, that's not a very political correct atmosphere, I must um, say. I don't think so. I, I think part of CZW, if I'm not mistaken, is owned by somebody who is, owns part of a porn studio. Yeah, well, I know that, uh, that I, at least, uh, maybe I shouldn't say I know, but uh, mm-hmm. I think it's uh, International Wrestling Syndicate, IWFS, out of uh, Montreal, I believe, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong out there, maybe I'll look it up on the Google, mm-hmm. but uh, that they uh, were co-promoting porn when they when they first at least uh, got into the wrestling business and that was a big selling point hardcore wrestling and porn hardcore wrestling and hardcore porn that's it can just you, can you mix the two uh, well seems as though you can <laughs> seems to be have been a successful venture because they're still around today yeah but um nonetheless uh, do you think would you think that this uh, pc uh, PG era of uh, pro wrestling that's happening in WWE right now. Do you think that might have contributed to like Dean Ambrose kind of getting fed up and uh, maybe wanting out? I think maybe, but the thing is, I think that more so than that, I think that it's such a an airtight ship there that like all of your lines that you speak on, let's say Raw or SmackDown, are fed to you. So in other words, you have no creative freedom, right? yeah. Un- unless I guess you become John Cena, who then you know you just ma- you you nail the main bullet points, and then after that, it's like you can ad lib that they trust you enough to ad lib, uh, but but that's that's really a fringe example, yeah. Um, where I think that it's like you don't have the creative freedom. That's the whole thing. I think that's the word actually, because mm-hmm. Jim Ross once said that when talent leaves, when talent terminates their contracts or, you know, once they decided to, to just pack up and go, uh, it comes down to one of the two C's and that's cash or creative. Hmm. And I can see that, uh, that if you feel stifled and if you feel that you're, you could do so much more, you could, your contribution is worth more or whatever. I think Cody did that, right? Cody Rhodes that he didn't want to be stardust. He didn't, he didn't like the way that he was typecast yeah. and he figured I can do more than this. And mm-hmm. he, he was right. He could, because look at him now. Yeah. Right. I think he pitched the whole, I, the whole Cody gimmick idea that he's, that he's playing right now, you know, and he's one of the best, uh, in that way characters, I think out there doing some really great promos that he just, uh, he laid down a, a really nice promo for this, uh, match he's having against Dustin, who also did a fantastic promo. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, they they didn't see any money behind it. So there you go. Well, that's it. That's it. I mean, and the thing is that, I mean, of course, uh, you know, the at the end of the day, uh, in any business, you're going to have somebody who calls the shots. I mean, in AEW, it's going to be Cody and family and whatnot calling the shots. In WWE, it's Vince at the end of the day. And in New Japan, it's going to be Gato 
Gato and Jado, you know, the bookers yeah. and, and whatnot, you know, calling and calling the shots and seeing what's happening and whatnot. Um, and so that's just the way that the world revolves. I mean, I don't care what business you go to. If you were, if, even if you're not part of the wrestling business, if you're part of any company, you got to hire up who answers to yeah. a higher up to who will probably will answer then to the big boss of the company. It's like that movie from Mel Gibson back in the day, about 20 years ago, it's called Payback. Oh yeah. And it's a great movie. And, and there's a line in that movie that once you, that there's, there's always somebody who sits at the top that, you know, you, I want to find out who ordered, ordered the hit on me. Right. Yeah. yeah. Somebody try to, you know, snuff him, And, uh, so you want to find the guy that gave the green light to, order the hit yeah exactly and and that's the thing that uh well so anyway but nowadays we have this thing called social social justice and uh it's it's permeated all of our society i mean the thing is that uh there are people getting kicked off of youtube nowadays and and people that run channels and stuff because if you don't run things that are in compliance with the general way that uh that the powers that be uh, believe, then you become the enemy, and as the enemy, you get shut down. And uh, you—it is not a free platform. The world is not free anymore, ladies and gentlemen. It's—it's it's a fallacy to believe this. Even in the West, here, it's not free at all. Um, You're—you know—it's like George Carlin, the the comedian, said that uh, you're given the illusion of freedom. Yeah. And you know what your choice is? What what flavor of ice cream you want? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, want, you want chocolate? You want strawberry? Yeah, you know, but you you're want, also you're... constrained to the flavors that they are going to give you. But, that's that's uh... right. That's right. <laughs> but but that's that's the illusion of choice that that you have. Yeah. But um, so like, does what do you think, Dylan? Does PC politically correct thinking and culture and 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 the approach and the philosophy of of being like to be able to appease everyone and, and to be to placate everyone is, is this, does it have a place? Is there a way that it can fit into pro wrestling or is it a hindrance? I think the way it fits into pro wrestling is that you have a gimmick of a politically correct person. Yeah. You know, and I, and I think it has been done. And the funny, funniest part about it is, uh, um, I think it was Steve Carino, Mm. uh, in ECW. Mm. He played this like anti, uh, hardcore, you know, anti extreme, um, character gimmick that, that this type of wrestling was garbage and, uh, any kind of blood or, you know, any kind of, uh, gimmick of whatever, a chair or this, this and that, you know, old school Olympic style wrestling kind of thing was, was, was what was good. And this, you know, women wearing nothing. Uh, I think it was like Francine and Don Marie and Tammy, uh, Tammy Lynn Sitch. Sam, Tammy Sitch. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, all these, you know, this kind of stuff flaunting around that was, that was ECW was violence and sex. And, um, you know, he was the anti, but he was like super duper heel villain. Exactly. For being he, that way. And he was getting his ass kicked. Yeah. And then he had a great, actually one of my favorite Dusty Rhodes matches, if it could be, mm-hmm. it was a uh, bull rope match with the uh, yeah. with the cowbell in the middle, and fuck did uh, pardon my French there. Maybe I'll <laughs> no, don't 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 edit. No, we're not PC. Yeah, thank yeah. you. But uh, I'm getting excited. But yeah, um, good. Carino was a crimson body. Mm-hmm. He just had like literal shizat kicked straight out of him, and it was so good because uh, Dusty Rhodes just 
he was old school, and he Karina was saying he was the king of old school or whatever himself. And then Dusty Rhodes came in and just like wiped the floor with the guy and yeah. painted the the rafters with the blood of the dude. Mm-hmm. And to the absolute uh, glee of the crowd, if I can use that, what a word, yeah. glee, yeah, glee of the <laughs> bloodthirsty <laughs> uh, Philadelphians, I guess it might have been that. Uh, you know, but nowadays maybe that political correct character would be considered the uh, the babyface. Well, you know the thing is in WWE they had that right to censor group. Remember yeah, them? Yeah, yeah. Well, they were kind of like the PC group of that of the day also. But this is the thing that is, is is odd about people, right? They don't want to be censored. Like that thing is like no, this right to censor this when it when it comes blatant in your face that that's what it is, mm-hmm. and people are like no. We don't like that you guys are the bad guys because you're telling you're you're stopping people from having free speech. But then all of a sudden, when somebody says something you don't like, mm-hmm. then you're using whatever tactics to tell them that they're Nazi sympathizers or whatever it is might be. You know, yeah, so yeah. it's funny uh, this cake and eat it too kind of kind of situation. Well, I find it so absurd because the thing is that uh, first of all. If we're completely honest, like let's say, let's take professional wrestling, not in presentation as per the visuals uh, alone, but let's talk about like pro wrestling from the standpoint of what it requires to be a successful pro, like to have a chance in this business, to to be able to make it to the top or to be like viable as as a, a piece of talent that can get bookings. Now, if you think of the PC train of thought, which generally says nowadays that uh, that you, you can't call a spade a spade. You can't, you know, you, yeah. you can no longer shoot straight because you're going to be offending somebody. And you can't offend anybody. Yeah, exactly. You got to be non-offensive. So therefore, now let's say that every uh, upper echelon product out there, like when you're talking about the best of the best, mm. has a certain level of aptitude or of, let's say, physical fitness in the case of uh, professional wrestling yeah. that would be required of you, a certain look, yeah. a certain charisma, mm-hmm. right? So therefore, you can't just show up just like Joe Schmo out of shape. You got no endurance. You have no physical prowess whatsoever. Uh, you don't have the look to begin with that's saleable. In other yeah. words, you can't market the look because it's not on par with what people expect mm. uh, as a sellable, uh, as, as a sales point. Yeah. And then you expect to be treated on the same level as the stars who have all these things. Yeah. And that's where political correctness is just a bunch of horse crap because it doesn't float. Yeah. It, you, you can't make that argument and, and have any credence behind it whatsoever. Mm. Because the world doesn't work this way. You, if you end up, I remember we had this one referee one time. Uh, Hopefully, it wasn't me. No, no, no. It was this one referee, <laughs> unless it's a good who, story, who, who was who was rather out of shape. Um, and during this one event that we had, uh, it was in the middle of summer, and it was damn hot that summer too, mm-hmm. right? And it was an outdoor event. The sun was shining, then the canvas was so damn hot that when you took a bump on the canvas, it's like you didn't want to stay down very long. Frying it's gonna, pan. Yeah, yeah, it's a frying pan. You're going to burn your back, wow. your skin. Uh, anyway, 
you know, I wrestled this match. It was like somewhere in the neighborhood of about 20, 25 minutes mm. out in the burning yeah. hot sun. That's a damn good stretch of a match no for kidding. like for that kind of weather, yeah, right? Yeah. And the referee was so gassed because they were in so bad physical condition mm. that they had to go on a on a breathing machine, like on a on a ventilator wow. immediately after the match. They, you know, just because the thing is that they're lack dying. Lack of oxygen. They're, yeah, they're, yeah, they're dying. And the thing is that first of all, that's um, it's a danger yeah. right, to yourself that you you might become a body, you might become just a corpse, you know, yeah, in, inside the, the course of a wrestling match because of the fact that you you're not in shape to pull off that job. Mm. Second of all, um, it's bad for business because you know you won't be in the right place at the right time because you're going to be so gassed that you're not going to be able that's to make it. the counts. That's it, right? So yeah. you you can't pull off the, the job description, mm. uh, you know, under those circumstances. And and should we, as a professional wrestling culture, then allow a person like this to enter our sacred, you know, our our realm or our sanctum, uh, and just welcome, welcome, you know, anybody and everybody will find a place for you, and we'll just put you, uh, you know, because uh, we just want to be a, a good guy, yeah. right, or whatever yeah. it is. No, and no, no, because it, you're not doing anybody any favors. Mm. What you're going to do is you're going to drag down the quality of your product and you're going to endanger people who are underskilled. Yeah. Well, that that that's, I think, the biggest thing that people don't understand uh, when they look at uh, specifically professional wrestling, um, you know, because they think, oh, it's a it's a performance and it's a theater. It's live uh, live action theater, yeah. you know, which, OK, sure. But that means that if if you are not trained properly because let's say some of the most well-trained uh, professional wrestlers have, by accident, for doing something not perfectly correctly, have injured people to the point of death. Uh, let's, you know, Rey Mysterio accidentally mm-hmm. miscommunic- miscommunicated a spot and hit some guy in the throat from this you know, which which I, in a lot of ways, thought was the kind of most ridiculous move uh, in in wrestling the six one nine thing. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, well, what is you know what's that going to do? Well, it unfortunately, really unfortunately, you know, uh, ended somebody's life because uh, was, was that the thing back then? By the way, was it that it hit the guy in the throat? I believe it hit him in like the Adam's apple throat and mm-hmm. collapsed uh, something there because, of course, you know, uh, we won't get into it, but. Uh, at least there was a miscommunication and uh, and something happened and the guy ended up uh, dying in the hospital later. Yeah. So this is the business where you could end somebody's career. You could, even if you make it so that they can't work the next day. Yeah. You know, that's, that's ha- that happens to the best. Yeah. So yeah. imagine people out there that you are not in the right physical fitness level. You're not trained properly. You don't know... Uh, you don't know the business. Mm-hmm. You, like, you, and, you gonna... and, and, and worst case scenario nowadays, you don't care to know the business mm. because the thing is, you want to create your own little culture yeah. that that is somehow that you're so damn entitled that you think that you have the right to do this your way mm. and and to rewrite the history books as far as what professional wrestling should be. That's like the problem with this PC culture and yeah. this. 
uh, social justice warrior bullcrap is that the, the people are so misguided in their own vanity mm. that they think that somehow that the world has to alter its state of being to suit them. Yeah. I mean, I'm all for evolution of, of things, and I think it's natural, you know, but the idea, especially in this, when it has to do with safety, you know, mm-hmm. so it, how many, like it's over a hundred years that this uh, form of sport has existed. And during those hundred years, mm-hmm. it has evolved, but it's not as though um, it's lost a lot of things. Like it's developed as in like, this is the way it's done. And everybody around the world, no matter what language they're speaking, should be able to work together, you know? And that's the harmony that is professional wrestling. Well, the thing is, like, what I tell a lot of students, and I've coached people now, like, different ethnicities and guys and girls in uh, six different countries since 2003, and I tell them all the time, I said that if your match breaks down, like, if the shizat falls apart, Mm -hmm. um, guess what? Whether you're Rey Mysterio or whether you're the big show, yeah, you're going to know how to wrestle on the mat because that's the only thing that's going to be able to save your match when everything else collapses. Grab a hold. Yeah. Know how to work in and out of holds. And I've had so many of these, uh, you know, wrestling students over the years, when you ask them to improvise a match, you know, just in training, just yeah. go in there like with, with somebody you don't even know, mm. you know? And, and improvise. Just show me five minutes, ten yeah. minutes. What what can you do? And they're lost. Mm. Yeah. You, you grab a headlock and you don't know. You're so stuck. You you freeze in the headlock because yeah. you, you know you're the one grabbing the headlock. You don't know. Uh, oh, am I going to shoot this guy off? Uh, am I going to run the ropes myself? Am I going to uh, do a headlock takeover? But uh, is is it time to do the t- headlock takeover or not time to do it? Or, Too much thinking. Yeah, and it, it's like it's not just overthinking. It's brain freeze. Yeah, yeah. It's like they're 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 ill qualified for the job itself because they don't know how to work. Uh, a wrestling match. Yeah. So, and the thing is that at the end of the day, you have to know how to wrestle, mm. right? So if your match breaks down around the world, doesn't matter what culture you come from. And trust me, I've been there. I've been to 22 countries over a 25-year period. I've wrestled the best of the best. I've wrestled some really bad ones too. I believe it. And uh, the same rules apply for everybody in every single country in every single wrestling ring. Now, if you have a language barrier, you know, and we have this thing called calling, and, and if you can't call because the other person don't understand, uh, you got to go by feel. Yeah. Right? And you got to work around your opponent. That's something Ric Flair did back in the day, right? He did yeah, yeah. so damn well, too, that, you know, it's, you don't, you're not reliant upon your opponent to make the match, mm. that you're able to work around them. And uh, unless you know how to wrestle, you won't be able to do this. Yeah. You're going to stink up the joint because you suck. That's it. And uh, another thing, like, let's let's talk more specifically about can uh, social justice warriorisms and PC culture, uh, does it have a place, uh, can, should it dictate what happens in professional wrestling? And as, you know, some might argue that the WWE is, uh, in a way, it's having to cater to those, those people as well, you know, with, uh, with certain... Uh, body types and the way women are depicted, the way that ethnicities are depicted and, you know, this kind of minority, minority groups and, and trying to 
please absolutely everybody that they can please. You know, they're even trying to please, um, you know, the, I guess, uh, non-politically correct people. So they're they're trying to get everybody, you know. But, you, you but can't. in that way, yeah, you can't. It's You're doomed to failure. It, it's like you know, one of the, the base laws of marketing is know your audience. Yeah. Right? You have to be able to, be able to key in on who you are marketing to like who who do you want to reach what are their interests what is it that they specifically like because the mm. thing is unless you can reach out to them is like pro wrestling ain't for everybody no it, it never has yeah, been yeah. right it's like you know some people are going to hate it some people are going to love it some people they just don't give two shits they don't understand it they, they don't understand they never will right yeah. so the thing is that you want to reach out to people who can appreciate what it is that you do and, th- and they're going to have some form of intrigue or, or some form of interest in what it is that you do, at least uh, like the the possibility of of getting interested in it, right? Yeah, yeah. So that if you let's say if you if you're into action sports, like in general, you like you like action, mm. right? You know, you you like your your Stallone, you like your Fast and the Furious, you like these you know different types of Hollywood you know yeah. hit, hit movies, blockbusters and, stuff. and things, blockbusters. Yeah, right. You like action games, you know. You like to play things like let's say um, Grand Theft Auto or whatever. Yeah. you're more than likely going to find parallels as to what it is that your audience is into, right? And so when you market to this type of a demographic, you know that your audience likes action. Therefore, what it is that you represent with wrestling is live action. Yeah. Um, So therefore, it's a niche product. Yes, it is. At the end of the day, it's not for everybody. It's impossible to please everybody uh, all the time. You know, my father once gave me some advice back in the day, and it was one of some of the best advice I ever got in my life. He said, that, son, that there are going to be people that are going to love you, people that are going to hate you. Uh, and, and you know, with your personality, you're going to draw them down the middle. It's like you're, they're going to have to make a choice. Mm. And my dad's been right, you know. Yeah. I don't, and I don't mind. I don't care. I really don't. Yeah, I, yeah. I can live with that. But there's not a lot of people who can. I think a lot of people are, um, they need... For everybody to love them, and if if they don't, it's uh, it's, and it's a personality thing, you know. But uh, it's a and dis- I feel it's bad a disorder. For, I feel bad for those people. It's you know? a disorder because yeah. it's really tough. Because if you're a, re- a very liked person, but then one person doesn't like you, which is their right, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. then uh, and it brings you down so hard. It's it's really tough, and um, I mean, I hope hopefully I'm not that way, but. Uh, I know a lot of people who who take it really hard when when somebody just doesn't like them. So, you know, but you can't live your life that way because it's impossible to please everybody. And again, with this PC culture in uh, in media mm-hmm. per se, and this is the thing I think wrestling is in a lot of ways quite special, where I think it actually has to be non PC because how do you create a villain? That people will hate mm. to the point of like wanting to, you know, murder them because that's the in, in hilarious to say, but that's you know what Jake the Snake once said, you know, that uh, some he saw some guys in a match with Sting, I think, and uh, the match was just about to get going. Saw some guy in you know nine rows up, stand up with the trench coat and pull out a whatever, nine millimeter, some, some handgun. Mm. And then he just do- dove under the ring as the guy got off about six shots straight at the canvas uh, before the security guards took him out. And he said, as terrified as he was, the biggest thought going through his mind was, I, I got him. 
you know <laughs> that's heat yeah he, oh, geez, he was that, like that i did heat. it you know yeah yeah and same with rowdy ruddy piper i've heard he's been stabbed numerous times and a lot of the old you know, timers that, yeah so yep. it's like that because and they i think that they you know imagine you get stabbed and you're like you're like thinking ha i got that guy you know that you you drove that guy to or whomever to some like degree of hatred towards you that 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 guy felt it was the it was the good idea to try to murder you, you know. <laughs> Imagine that kind of success. But uh, that's. But the thing is, how can you have a villain? How can you have a villain that people will then be so hot about the like hot on the the good guy, mm-hmm. the hero? You know, you need to have the worst of the worst villain to have the best of the best hero. The, that's the whole thing. It's like you know you. It's it's pretty hard to have a great hero if you don't have a great evil to overcome. Yeah, and uh, vice versa. But the thing is that uh, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. The thing is that how can you make, how can you create a politically correct uh, villain that doesn't rub anybody like the wrong way? Because of course, in PC thought and and, and in this social justice era. Mm-hmm. Uh, the worst thing that you can do is offend somebody. Now, so become a bad guy by not offending anybody. Try that. Yeah. Well, so try, try it on for yeah, size. Yeah. See how it works. <laughs> it doesn't It doesn't translate no. whatsoever. So the thing is, uh, your other option is to become an ass clown. Yeah. Right? Just yeah. to become a goofy little ass clown that, that acts uh, annoying in a way that people almost like, you know, it, it's, it's they, they boo you out of, how could you say, out of politeness because they know that's the that's the right thing to do. Yeah, you know, yeah. In this situation, okay, he's a bit of a loser, boo, 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 mm. right? And and that's not the kind of heat that you want because that kind of heat will not draw money. Nobody's going to pay tickets yeah. to see that kind of a presentation because that doesn't uh, reach your emotional register. Yeah. And and, and at, the, at the end of the day, for pro wrestling to work, you need to be able to dig deep down into somebody's emotional mud and to make them feel something otherworldly. Yeah. Right? And that's where guys like Hulk Hogan back in the day, The Rock, mm. right? Stone Cold, you know, the great ones, um, they were able to touch people's emotions on such a deep level yeah. that people cared. They wanted to see these guys. Mm. They And the villains, the threats to these guys, you know, the, yeah. the, the actual threats, the evil Vince McMahon who wanted to destroy... Mm. Stone Cold. Yeah. It was a story that was so easily understood by so many people who lost their jobs and who were uh, replaced in business or whatever, you know, mm. the the boss just doesn't give a flying flip about you. Yeah. And you want to punch this guy in the face. Yeah, yeah. Right? Exactly. So, and... and How PC was that? How PC... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not... You cannot be PC. And at the end of the day, uh, I really... I, I do aspire to this uh, train of thought that pro wrestling is anarchy. Yeah. It is. Mm. You know, the Sex Pistols back in the day would never have been successful as a punk act had they been politically correct. <laughs> I just wrote, uh, you know, I got to say this, I know it's a bit of a plug now, but yeah, yeah. Uh, my band Stoner Kings, we're, we're, we're just putting out a new album now on the 17th of May here. Uh, it's called Alpha Male. I entitled it that intentionally to stick it to people who have this problem 
with uh, the concept of what what they call toxic masculinity and all this. You know, so just the man acting like a man is the worst thing you can do, right? Yeah. A straight white man acting like a straight man. It's the worst thing you can do. You know, and wake up, people. Like, what kind of bubble are you living in? It's mm-hmm. like you're, you're trying to, like, unwrite the laws of the universe, right? So, and now, so Stoner King's Alpha Male is coming out. And I wrote this blog yesterday, and I put it up on my Starbuck.fi mm. webpage as well as my uh, Stoner King's uh, uh, Facebook page, where I wrote that I met the manager of Slayer, Bullet for My Valentine and Ghost, uh, this one girl named Kristen Mulderig, mm. and she's part of a company out of Los Angeles that, that uh, manages these these bands, these three, yeah. these three, right? Mm. And I asked her, uh, I was sitting down for dinner one night with her, and, and uh, I asked, what, what, like, is the, what is the telling factor, or what is the common denominator uh, with artists that have made it? Mm throughout history, right? Yeah. Like, like wh- how, why, how does a band get big? Yeah, right. Not just remain a bar band or not just remain a club band or whatever, but actually become like, a good a, question. like Metallica or like whatever, yeah. you know, like a, a huge band. How, mm. how do you do it? And she said, she thought about it for a second and then she said to me that every artist, every band, every, every you know, whatever musical artist that ever made it big has understood the day and the age that they're living in and they've been able to tap in to that day and age, the spirit of that mm. day and age. And you be, you can speak to those people on that level where they are at in that moment. Mm. Right. Yeah. And if you think about it, sex pistols, I mean the, the, the entire punk movement, yeah. that, that was a backlash. Totally. Right. Um, black, black Sabbath mm. back in the day, Alice Cooper, even what, they, yeah, they were backlashes to the peace and love flower power movement back mm. in the sixties. Yeah, totally. Uh, like, the element of danger, Kiss. Yeah. You know, Gene Simmons from Kiss said back in the day that he loved this band called King's X. You probably never heard of them. But I haven't heard, no. Okay, but anyway, they were more like a progressive rock band you know, mm. back in the day, a trio. But they, Gene Simmons said that I love King's X, but I got to be honest that there's no danger mm. to King's X. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. And the thing is that rock and roll has to be dangerous. There mm. has to be an element of, you know, the sex, drugs, rock and roll, whatever it is. Yeah, but yeah. maybe not to that, you know, in the in those three per se, but there has to be an element of danger. Yeah. And uh, the same thing with like wrestling. Wrestling has to have an element of, of, of something that's going to rub you really strongly in one direction or another. Yeah, has to. Has to. Yeah. You can't be in the middle. You can't appease everybody all the time. When Terry Taylor, people remember Terry Taylor from WWE in 88 as the Red Rooster, which was a horrible gimmick. I think it killed the man's career. But, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, but before he went there, he was in the Universal Wrestling Federation, uh, and, and he turned heel on Chris Adams, his tag team partner. And and as an explanation, one time he's on commentary, and they asked him, Terry, why did you do what you did? And he said that, that you can't please people all the time. I'm, I'm sick and tired of trying to please people because the thing is, before long, you're going to piss somebody off anyway. Mm. Think about that. Like, yeah, as, yeah. as a comment, right? Before long, you're going to get somebody mad anyway, right? Yeah. And he's right. That's how life works. You're going to get your, mom da- your, your mom's going to get mad at you at some point. Your dad's going to get mad at you. Your sister's going to get mad at you. Your brother's going to get mad at you. Your friends are going to get mad at you. Your teachers, everybody's going to get mad at you at some point. Yeah. So stop trying to please people. Yeah. You should just try to please yourself. 
<laughs> or just like just be an honest, good yeah, person, and just exactly and and understand that that's the way that life works. That some, at some point you're just going to rub somebody the wrong way, and then you're going to have conflict. Mm. That's the law of life. Yeah, exactly. get over it and be responsible. Exactly, you own know. your shiz Yeah, exactly. And uh, let's go again to our sponsors here. When we come back, we'll do some comments of things that we're a little bit excited about in the wrestling world and little hubbubs that are going on as well. But, uh, yeah, thanks for listening, and stay tuned after some sponsors. Estrada Creative Helsinki, your brand and story with the strength of modern marketing. Social media gets your brand and message in your audience's hands, and your story with the boost of marketing and videography is your strongest means of persuasion. That's where Estrada Creative Helsinki gets involved. Check them out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Estrada Creative Helsinki. Marco Simonen offers photography and video production for business and marketing. In addition, editorial and portrait work welcome. For more, see marcosimonen.com. That's M-A-R-K-O-S-I-M-O-N-E-N.com. All right, and we are back here in the shooting the Shizat Stu Dizzle. And uh, we got the Rebel Starbuck here, and we are talking today mostly about this social justice warriors, uh, social justice wrestling, shall we call it? Nice. And uh, shall shall it exist uh, outside of a a uh, ridiculous gimmick, or uh, should it, or does it have a place? And I guess we have the answer. I think it's a disease. Mm. I, honestly, I think it's a disease that needs to go from our culture, not just wrestling, yeah. but from our cult- culture, because it sucks all the air out of the room. Mm. It really does. And the thing is that, you know, it doesn't let you express your opinion uh, unless you are towing the company line, yeah. unless you are espousing the generally held to be, uh, you know, the way that, that people think these days and, and the you know, the accepted norms of societal beliefs or yeah. whatever it is that, you know, that are pushed so hard through our media and through our, you know, televised and, 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 uh, you know, all of these different media channels. Yeah. Uh, you become the enemy, you yeah, know, exactly. and, and people feel that you're a threat because you don't, uh, you don't believe the way that they believe, you know? Yeah. And, and I, I think as, as well, like John Cleese, you know, famous comedian, Monty Python, he's really against the political correctness thing because, and of course, George Carlin was as well. Oh, yeah. But it, it uh, basically making this, or this big social justice political correctness movement makes it actually unable for us to talk about, seriously talk about mm-hmm. those big issues that are, you know, hard mm-hmm. to talk about, that get uncomfortable. Well, the thing is, I mean, it's like, you know, there was a, just a few years ago, uh, right outside of Itakeskus, which is a, a big shopping mall. It's, I think it's like the largest in the Nordics. I or think it is, yeah. Northern Europe, yeah. Uh, anyway, just outside of the shopping mall at the traffic lights, a few years ago, uh, a member, a male member, uh, a 14-year-old boy of a certain ethnic minority, uh, raped in broad daylight around, was it 2.30 p.m. or something? Uh, at the traffic lights, raped a Finnish schoolteacher lady. Wow. And nobody came to help. It was in broad daylight. Nobody ran there to stop the kid and, 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 and put a halt to it. Now, A, that's gutlessness. B, that's fear. C, that's PC. 
thinking gone so awry that it needs to stop, it needs to go, it needs to disappear from our society because right is right and wrong is wrong. And if you don't have absolutes, like absolute parameters mm. as to what, you know, the things that are that are absolute musts, so there has to be a certain level of like concrete black and white in our society. Otherwise, the laws would never stand up. Anybody, it would be chaos, right? People, yeah. would, they'd be just falling all over each other, right? Uh, if, if there were no laws as to traffic laws, you could drive as fast as you wanted and ram somebody and kill somebody in a vehicular homicide. Yeah. And there would be no repercussions whatsoever because there is no laws. Yeah, there you go. Now, so, you know, that's a pretty extreme example, but that's a relevant example because that's, if you want to take that thinking as far as you can go, that's where it's going to take you. Yeah. Now, you remember this movie back about 20 years ago called We the People? Uh, I do remember that there is a movie. Larry Flint. Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. Right, the movie about the, the, the guy that started Hustler Magazine. People versus Larry Flint. Yeah, the or... people versus Larry Flint. Yeah, that's what, that, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, I remember back then that there was a, a case where the U.S. Supreme Court was trying to, uh, to, to, they were trying to pass a bill to ban pornography, right? Right. And Larry Flint won the case because the argument was this. If you start banning Hustler, that's it's not going to stop there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's just the first opening. That's the first open door to what's going to follow. Hmm. And then it's going to be someone else and someone else. And it's going to be the next person. It's going to be the next person who doesn't fit the bill. Yeah. And and it's that's why it's such a dangerous thing that when you go and you, when you start tampering with uh, free thought and free speech, before long, you're going to create an environment where you've lost the free world. Mm. You have lost it. And we are already there now because the thing is that now on platforms like Twitter, on platforms like Facebook, on platforms like YouTube, there are several uh, media personas and people or, and, and uh, users that have gotten the boot. They've gotten mm. kicked off because whether their accounts are private or whether they are public, uh, all it takes is for you to post one wrong picture. Yeah, and you're not to, you can't actually uh, decide which one's wrong or not. And and you want to see that, you know, I'll give you one really relevant example of this hypocrisy. I was with my band Crossfire. I have this Southern rock band where, you know, I'm the singer. And we were in uh, Hamburg, Germany last summer. Hmm. And, and uh, we... We're just walking down the Reperbahn because we're playing on the Reperbahn, right? So that's like the red light district, yeah, yeah. right? With all the sex shops too. And outside one of the sex shops, I just posed for a picture. I asked my bassist to take the picture. Mm-hmm. And, you know, on, on both, you know, my right and my left, there's a picture of this, you know, of, of a naked girl on the wall of the establishment. It's a photograph, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, like, I'm standing between these two girls. Yeah. On the Reperbahn. Sure. And they're, they're photos. I'm standing between two photos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got right? you. Yeah. <laughs> and I post the picture and they were topless. Okay. And, uh, within, was it within 24 hours, within, I think about 12 hours, it was taken down by Instagram. And, All right. And it was, uh, it was, I was sent a message that I violated the terms and the, 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 the code, whatever the policies of Instagram. Yeah. And then I thought, what did I do wrong? Because the thing is, if I looked at all the other accounts and, and like, you know, girls, like these accounts of girls posting pictures about themselves. Yeah. 
they are more provocative in their own posts and their own, and they got thousands, tens of thousands, if not millions of followers. Yeah. And it's like, what did I do wrong compared to what they do? Mm. Well. And, and you know what it was? That I didn't pixelate the nipples. Ah, uh, the nipples. Yeah. So you either have to, you just have to blur the nipple or pixelate the nipple. Uh, and you can get away with murder because Instagram is the new Playboy. I see, yeah. Right? Um, and that was, and it's, su- it's such a double standard. Yeah. It's, and, and I've seen much worse than that, like suggestive, like down, downright near pornographic stuff on, uh, on Instagram. Mm. And what I, what I posted was, n- it was lame. It was tame. Yeah, but nipples compared are, to that. nipples are dangerous though. But if it was a man's nipple? Like yeah, if, but... if it was my own nipple, like if I was like topless, you know, it was a hot day on the reprobon, I took my shirt off, took a picture. I don't think that would have gone taken down. It would not have gotten taken down. Maybe, maybe that's the tactic, you know? Yeah. Just get some guy's nipples in there. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, I don't, <laughs> Jeez, I'm not interested. Just, but anyway. Starts to get ridiculous, it, you know, it is. in it's, that kind of way. It's like, you know, it's like my old, old buddy, Chris Jericho, he has this term, recalculous. It's not ridiculous, it's <laughs> recalculous. And that's what it is. It is. Nowadays, it's just recalculous. That's it. And so anyway, uh, getting, we're going to wrap up this uh, episode of Shooting the Shiz at here in just a bit. Uh, so we've, we've been talking about the disease, what I term to be at least the disease of political correctness and uh, social justice warrior mentality, which has no place in pro wrestling because pro wrestling has always been the bastard of sports, the yeah. bastard son, the bastard, the bastard child of sports. And, and it will never change. It will never be anything except what it is. Yeah, it shouldn't. Yeah, exactly. And it's, 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 it's a niche product that, that is going to float the boat of some people and with other people it won't. Even when it was red hot in the 80s with Hulk Hogan, that super era of mm. pro wrestling between yeah. like 84, 85, 86, 87, even then it's like, it wasn't for everybody. It was still, a, a lot of people jumped on the boat. Yes. Yeah, yeah, but course. still you have to be, you have to have something in your internal makeup that makes you gravitate towards that in order to, uh, to make it possible for you to be a wrestling fan. Exactly. Even like remotely. Yeah. Right. So that's really the way it is. But anyway, uh, as we wrap it up here this weekend or this week on shooting the shiz at there, we got some big news coming out that Bill Goldberg, he just retired at the hall of fame. Like was last year it was something like that. And now they're bringing him back. Well, WWE is bringing back Bill Goldberg because Saudi Arabia wants this guy on June 7th. And I guess that, is it Fox that is running now the Smackdown? Smackdown? Yeah. Yeah. I guess Fox will be wants, anyway. Yeah, they they want Bill Goldberg versus Brock Lesnar. That's it was. I word think, on the street, yeah. The word on the street is that. Yeah, I don't. I don't want it. And no disrespect to those guys, but I think they've had their turn. You know. But money talks. <laughs> money talks, <laughs> That's man. It, right, eh? Well, let's see. Let's see. Hopefully, money equals a good product. But uh, hopefully, money equals ratings. Because the thing is, I they mean, they need them. Yeah. If if Fox has signed for SmackDown, then of course, I mean, you live and you die by your ratings. I mean, you're only as good as your ratings, right? Yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, and, uh, and right hope. now, and right now the ratings are in the toilet. They're nearing a uh, TNA impact uh, or TNA, uh, I guess impact ratings when TNA went head to head with Mon- uh, Monday Night Raw yeah. back in those times. So if you think about it, I think Raw was getting in the five, over five million. Yeah viewership and then uh, TNA impact on the same Monday night was a million and a half. Yeah. yeah. And uh, now it's there like 1.7, 1.8 million uh, and they have no competition. 
So where did all those people go? I don't know. There's some, something is not tickling their fancy. Once That's again, it. proving that pro wrestling is a niche product. That's it. Well, anyway, uh, also New Japan all now is going to be um, having their one of their big shows of the year. It's called Dominion. Yeah. And in Osaka, Japan. Uh, announced once again, geez, I mean, Chris Jericho keeps on dropping the bombs. That's it. Jericho versus Okada. In one, the main event? Yeah. One month after he main events the AEW's w, Devil or Nothing that's happening uh, May 25th, coming up very shortly here. Yeah. So he's he's raking it in. He, well, I mean, in, in a very good way. It's not like he's he's contributing to... He's, absolutely. You know, he's not just a, a guy walking in for a paycheck. No, geez. And the thing is that, like, a, a great example of, like, making it as a, as a massive, like, uh, international success outside of WWE. Yeah. What, like, once your contract is up, that you, it doesn't mean that you're set out to pasture. It doesn't mean that you're no good no more. It means that you have an opportunity to use that platform that you were given and, and that media exposure that you've had, that your character has enjoyed. Yeah. And you can make it grow and, and still uh, exceed your prior contributions there you go so and that's really what he's doing because he's main eventing new japan for like the big shows against their biggest stars the second biggest company in the world yeah new japan so like uh, we're talking about it's going to be interesting ah uh, yeah i can't wait to watch it I, i'm sure it's going to be a really good match i mean okada is considered uh, one of if not the best professional wrestler in the world by a lot of people and chris jericho is also considered the greatest of all time by a lot of people mm-hmm. so you know what a main event there you go. Ibushi versus Naito. That's going to be great again. Mm-hmm. So, and then uh, Ishii versus Tai Chi, which I don't know. Let's see. Let's see mm-hmm. what those guys can pull out. And uh, then we got the G1 happening, the start of the G1, first night, I believe, in Dallas, Texas. And that's uh, hopefully they can sell more tickets because that's going to be a pretty killer event anyway. I uh, wish I could go to it. So, if uh, you are living anywhere in the United States and can jump on a plane or drive down for that that would be that's something that you shouldn't miss if you're a wrestling fan and can go but uh yeah i guess that's been uh, shooting the shiz at for this week we've uh we've kind of just i guess uh, grazed the top of this social justice warriors and uh pc culture inside professional wrestling and what do you guys think about it we'd love to hear what you think because i guess it's pretty obvious what we think well speaking of warriors now, the creative team, WWE, did you hear? The the main writer of SmackDown got fired. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and did you hear who was now made a member of the creative team? No. Dana Warrior. Oh, really? The Ultimate Warrior's uh, widowed wife. Okay. I don't know, like... Let's see. <laughs> so, social justice warrior, yeah. Dana Warrior. I there don't know. Go. Let's see. Let's, this let's... is a warrior-themed episode of Shooting the Shizat. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for being with us, and we'll catch you next week here on one of the greatest wrestling podcasts out of Europe. This has been Shooting the Shizat. <laughs>